Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Awesome. You guys can be seated. I just want to take this moment actually to um, extend in what we believe is worship to the Lord as we um, return our tithes, so in our offerings. So if you're a, a member of this church and you call this church home, um, we at this church are a, um, we believe in returning our tithe, our first tenth of our produce, of our first fruits back to the Lord. And this is uh not just generosity, but it's actually obedience to the Lord. And we believe that that's through um, the local church, local house. And so if you haven't set up recurring giving and you would like to, this is a great opportunity. Scan the QR code as well. And you can set up recurring giving because we don't want to be forgetful or um, negligent in giving and returning to the Lord what actually is his and, and honoring him in that. So if you use your phone to give, maybe you use your laptop, you can grab your laptop, but it's going to be weird to hold that in the air. Or there's an envelope in the seat back pocket in front of you. Whatever way you use to give, can you guys pull that out for a second? Pull it out as an object of your faith. Let's stand together. We're going to pray over our finances this morning. So hold it up as an object of your faith this morning. So Father, we thank you so much for your provision We know that with every vision, you meet us with your provision. And I pray for business um, leaders in this church, entrepreneurs, people with, uh, yeah, self-employed, as well as all of us who, um, you know, maybe we have other careers, Lord. Would you give us ideas, creative ideas and strategies of how to use the resources that you've given us for your kingdom and for your glory? I pray that every person that calls this church home, Lord, would be financially blessed and they would prosper not just in their finances, but in all areas of their life, Lord in their relationships, in their marriages, in their friendships, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As we sow into the kingdom of God, we pray that we would make, our giving would make an impact on this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Okay, so I'm like keeping you guys on your toes this morning, but I want you to turn to the person next to you, who's sitting next to you, your right or your left, ask them, can I put my hand on your shoulder? And if they say no, respect that. But if they say yes, put your hand on their shoulder. And we are going to open up this morning by praying over one another, okay? It's good to be in a church that prays for one another. So I want you to pray that God would bless the person to your left or to your right, that they would feel the presence of God, that his presence would increase in their life for deeper wisdom and revelation this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Crash over them, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill them up with your fire your presence, your glory, your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, today I am continuing on our sermon series called One Another, which is a series about honor. And we want to learn all about what God has to say about how we treat one another. So we are going throughout the next couple weeks Um, Aaron started off last week with unity with one another, and we're going over the next few weeks. How do we treat one another? How do we love one another? How do we show honor to one another? How do we encourage one another, lift one another up? And there's so many things so rich in the, in the Bible, all about, um, teaching us how to love one another. And so we want to ask this morning, God, 
for deeper wisdom and revelation about this topic, right? We want to receive understanding. We want to receive revelation. We want to upgrade in our relationships this month. Who here wants an upgrade in your relationships this month? If you want an upgrade in your friendships, if you want an upgrade in your marriage, if you want an upgrade in all the different relationships that you have, come on. God, we ask for deeper wisdom and revelation and understanding of how we do life with one another. You know, guys, life is often messy. It's far from perfect. And I am the first one up here today to say, I am far from perfect. And I fall short so many times in how I treat the people in my life, how I love the people in my life, how I love Aaron, my spouse, how I love my kids. Even this morning, I woke up and I just felt on edge. I'm on some prednisone because I have poison ivy on my body. (laughs) And it's just, I looked it up. Irritability is a symptom (laughs) of the prednisone because I was like, I just feel really on edge and I don't know why. And I'm like, going to come and speak on love. Like, come on, if that isn't the most ironic thing, right? But the reality is, is we all fall short in the way that we treat one another. And so there's so many, so much for us to learn, so much for us to grow in and deeper in our, in our level of wisdom and understanding in this, in this topic. And so last week, Aaron spoke on unity in the church and the type of church that Jesus is actively building. He's building a church that is not divided. He's building a church that is not divisive. He's building not, he's not building a gossiping church. He's not building a backbiting church or a church that speaks ill of one another, a church that puts one another down. That's not the type of church that Jesus is building. He's coming back and he's returning for his unified body. And Aaron's message last week was don't break up the body. Don't enter into actions and behaviors that break up the body of Christ because you're breaking up his bride. And so there are a hundred references in the New Testament to the word one another. And 94 of those um, references are scriptures or actual scriptures. And in English, it's two words. We have two words, one another. But in the Greek, it's one word. And this word is alelon. Turn to someone and say alelon. Alelon. This word is written 47 times. And almost 50% of the, t- of the time that it's written, it's written within a commandment. Okay? So I would say that that means it's pretty important that we listen. A command demands and expects a response. We need to remember that whenever God gives us a command, he's expecting us to do what he's asking. He's not wanting us to ignore it. (laughs) Because if we um, ignore a command from God, we're actually ignoring God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be someone that ignores God. Anyone else? (laughs) So whenever he gives a command, he's expecting a response. I think about with my children... When I give them a command or a direction, please put your plate in the dishwasher. I'm not just expecting that they heard me, but I'm expecting they heard me and now they're acting upon it and they're going and doing what I've asked them to do. So throughout these one another scriptures, 47 times in the New Testament, God gives a command and he expects a response for how we are supposed to do life with one another, 
how we're supposed to treat one another, how we're supposed to love one another, how we're supposed to honor one another, and how we're supposed to forgive one another. So where we've been and where we're going, we've talked about unity with one another. Today, I'm talking about love for one another. The title of my message is Sacrificial Love, if you're taking notes. Next week, we're talking about humility towards one another. Then we're taking a break. We actually have a guest speaker, Nico Peel, who is the leader of Ignite Movement. (laughs) Yes, who will be sharing with us. And then the following week, we will finish with edification of one another. Because as we went, as we were going through the scripture and saw this phrase coming up a hundred times, each of these uh, each of these um, passages fall under four different categories. Unity, love, humility, and edification. So we're going to be going through all those. So that's where we're headed. All right, so today I want to talk about the topic of what sacrificial love requires of me. So when I say sacrificial love, I'm talking about a biblical love. This is the agape love of God. This is the love of Christ. This is allowing God to determine the definition of love, not culture determining the definition of love. So buckle up because we're going to read all 15 verses that reference love for one another. All right. They're going to be on the screen. So we're going to start right out with John chapter 13, verse 34. It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I loved you, you were also to love one another. As I've been over the last few years studying scripture and kind of diving more into like Hebrew and exegesis and hermeneutics and all of those things, I've come to learn that when Jesus speaks a new commandment, he's referencing an old commandment. But see, Jesus always upgrades us. Right? He always is bringing us, calling us higher, calling us to something even deeper and further than where we've been before. So when he's saying this new command I give to you, it makes you wonder, what is this old command that there was? So the old command is in the book of Leviticus 19, verse 18, and it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So when Jesus says the old commandment, which you know of, he's referencing Leviticus 19, 18 which is from the law, you should love your neighbor as yourself. So I want you to ask this question, do I love me? Not not you guys, do you love me? But like, do you love you? (laughs) Ask yourself that, do I love me? You see, on some days I love me, and on some days I really don't love me. Maybe I've let shame creep in. Maybe I've let self-doubt, self-hatred creep in. How are we to love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves. See, if the love that we have for one another is contingent on whether we're having a good day or a bad day, we're probably going to fall short in loving one another the way God has intended. So Jesus is, is upgrading and leveling us up in this, saying, don't just love your neighbor as you love you. Love your neighbor. Love one another as I have loved you. It's not how you love you, it's how I have loved you that now you can love you. Or you can love one another. See, Jesus sets the standard for us. The standard that Jesus sets is, he's he's saying, I'm going to give you the grace to love one another. 
And I could try my absolute best to love you with all my might, with everything in me, but it will never compare to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made himself for us. And the cross and the eternal life that we have through him and in him. See, Jesus, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was bruised. He carried a cross far out of town and hung on a cross naked, nailed, nails in his wrists, nails in his feet, crown of thorns on his head, stabbed in his side, bled out in front of his mother and his friends and his disciples and the people that scorned him and hated him. And he did all of that for you and I. And when he says, love one another as I have loved you, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the love that he's going to show us through the sacrifice of him, of his very self. So he's not saying, it's not just love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's no, I'm commanding you to love one another as I have loved you. If you want to know what sacrificial love looks like, look at the cross. If you want to know the greatest definition of love ever seen, ever will see, look at Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what he's saying. He's the standard he sets for us, the love. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I loved you. John 15, 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Romans 13, 8, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. How often do we try to fulfill the law? Check the boxes, dot the I's, cross the T's. And Jesus is like, just love. Just love each other. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. Let the Lord make you. That's how it feels sometimes, right? God, you are making me love this person. And I have written this person off long ago. I'm trying to forget this person. I'm feeling triggered every time I think about this person, God. And you're saying, make me abound in love for them? Make me? If you want to know what sometimes making yourself love another thing is, just become a parent. Okay? Because there are some days when you just, all the first-time parents who have one baby are like, they're so sweet. They're so little. Wait till they turn three, guys. Just wait. Some days I'm like, you are testing me beyond me. (laughs) You're making me make you love you today. But we feel that. We feel the the uh, towards that. And and the Lord's like, no, I'm going to make you love them. I'm going to make you forgive them. I'm going to make you honor them. I'm going to make you sacrifice for them. Hey, it's not my words. First Thessalonians 4, 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. First Peter 1, 22, having purified your souls from by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That word earnestly is like fervently, passionately love one another from a pure heart. First John three eleven. for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Wow. (laughs) Those who know God show love. Those who are born of God show love. The biggest qualifier for becoming part of the family of God is the way you show love. It's not by what we do. It's not by how much we give. It's not how much we serve. It's not how many times we go to church. It's not by what we do. It's by the love we show for one another that qualifies us as being born of God and as the son of God. I love that. Wow. <laughs> are, we, are we showing the fruits of the spirit? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we gentle? 1 John 4.11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. See, I truly believe that the true test of our spiritual maturity and how you know a believer in their maturity in the Lord is by the way they manifest love for one another. Because you can know all the things. You could be the greatest theologian in the world and know all about God. But if you don't look like God in the way you love, then I don't really care how smart you are or how much you know about God if you're not producing the fruit that shows me that you have a heart filled with the love of God and you have a heart for his people and you're showing love for his people. Are you anointed Or are you kind, you know, are you, are you gifted or are you gentle? Good job. Are you talented or do you walk in love? See, our character matters. The way we love one another actually matters. They are the fruit and the evidence of the love that we have for God. Second John 1, 5, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning, referencing Jesus's commandment to us, that we love one another. Galatians 5, 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Ephesians 4, 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. 1 Peter 5.14, greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Now, don't go kissing everybody here, okay, people? All right? I know it's there. (laughs) But, oh, man. There's boundaries, right? Okay. What's culturally appropriate there might not be here. Romans 12.10, love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Raise my hands, all the competitive people in the room. Who's competitive? You bring out settlers of Catan? Come on. If you're competitive, this is the greatest competition you've ever been given. Outdo one another in showing honor. (laughs) Where is the love? Where is the love? Okay. So, guys, take a deep breath. We did it. We read through those 15 verses. But as we've been reading these, to me, what's, 
very clear throughout these 15 verses is that Jesus is building a body of people that love one another. He wants a body of people who love one another. And the early church, they would often greet each other with, hey, brother, right? Hey, sister. And we kind of see that as like an maybe outdated religious, hey, sister, how are you doing, sister? And we laugh at it. But in the Middle Eastern culture, family was incredibly important to them. Incredibly important. It is important here in the West, but I feel like there's a lot more, uh, there's other things that are important as well. But there, in the Middle Eastern culture, in the Jewish culture that we're talking about here, family was everything. It was like sacred to them. And so when they're greeting each other and they're saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, what they're actually saying is, I look at you with the same degree of importance and sacredness as I view my own family. You are now my family. The blood that's thicker than water is the blood of Jesus Christ that holds us together. It's the blood of Jesus that brings us together in a body where I look at my brother and my sister sitting sitting near me and I say, you are just as important to me as my family, my natural family is to me. You are my brother. You are my sister. And because of that, I'm going to treat you as such. I'm going to treat you with the love and the honor that I have for them. Imagine what, what one another would look like if we did that. If our church family was filled with a people that looked at each other with the same sacredness as their natural family. And maybe you don't have a good relationship with your family. And God wants to restore it to you with your heavenly family. With the people, with the body that he's surrounded you around. Maybe you don't know how to do life in family. And God's like, I'm going to show you a new way. I'm going to show you a family. Come on. We're not too far gone, none of us, from the redemption of Christ and his story that he's writing in all of our lives. So if you've been in church long enough, you probably heard a sermon about the different types of love that there are. (laughs) It's true. A lot of the scriptures we read talk about love, and there's the phileo love, which is the friendship love. There's the eros love, which is the romantic love. And then there's the agape love, which is this this sacrificial love that we're talking about here, this holy biblical love. And throughout these verses that we've read, the word agape is used often, but there's also this word called agapeo, okay? And I was, as I was looking up the differences in these things, obviously I, you know, I've studied Latin romance languages, and so I know that Agapeo comes from the root of agape, but agape is the noun, okay? But agapeo is the verb. And if you know what nouns and verbs are, the verb is the action. It's the action word of agape. So agape means goodwill or to prefer, and it means to show goodwill. Agape, sacrificial love, is rooted in action, Versus culture's definition of love is rooted in feeling. So (laughs) dictionary.com describes love as a strong feeling of warm personal attachment or deep affection, such as for a parent, 
child, friend, or pet. So culture's definition of love, you know, a feeling of deep affection, it's not bad. That is, that is what love is, but it's just not quite complete. Because the biblical definition of love shows us that there's some action required. It's not just feeling this love. Because when you feel love, your love is dependent on any given day and any given moment and whether you feel it in the moment. I remember being young and like my parents always joked that I had like a, a crush on drummers. Like there was a thing I had for drummers. It just was a coincidence. But one moment I would feel like I really liked this drummer. And then the two weeks later, I really liked that drummer. And anyways, I made it through. But, but biblical love, it goes beyond feelings and it moves us into a place of action. Okay? So the greatest definition that we see of agape love in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 13. And if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this verse. This scripture passage. So let's read it together. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Guys, (laughs) these are all like spiritual acts or works. And here... Paul is saying, if you do all of these things and you look spiritual and you look anointed and you look prophetic and you have all this faith, but you do not love, you are like a noisy clanging symbol to God. Ouch, right? That's like conviction of the Lord. There's this phrase um, that we learned in this thing called life languages which is, it's a communication tool, kind of like a personality test, but it's more communication style and tool that's rooted in scripture. It's really great. If you want a recommendation, I can give it to you after. But um, Aaron's personality profile, his number one is called the responder, okay? So he is like heart first. He responds to situations and to moments with his heart and his feelings, right? And so the catchphrase of the responder is, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. So my responder is dead last. All right. So (laughs) we've had a little marital sometimes of like, I don't need you to fix everything, Jess, or I don't need you to like, just like, I'm, I'm here in my feelings. I'm in my feels. I need you to just see, I need to know that you care. That's all I need. I just need to know that you care. Okay. And this is, this is like in that scripture. It's, we don't, we don't need to know how smart you are or how much you, you know. We need to know that you love. We need to know that you care for me. You care for one another. These things matter. Verse three, if I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse four, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. 
As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Love never fails. Exactly. So I'm going to put up a chart here. And we are comparing and contrasting, guys. High school English. (laughs) What love is and what love is not. Okay? Based on this scripture. So love is patient. Love perseveres with one another. Another word for this word persevere is long-suffering. When was the last time we endured long-suffering with someone? (laughs) Every day, someone says. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You're right. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Kind. Love is kind. It's gentle towards one another. Think about the gentleness of the Holy Spirit with you and how kind and gracious and patient he is with each and every one of us when we fall short over and over again. And he's so gentle with us. And he's showing us the way of how we are to be with one another. Love rejoices in what is true. So I really encourage you, I know this. people might think this sounds cheesy when you're like, ask God to show me what he thinks of the other person. But truly, when we're in prayer with the Lord and we're struggling with something or a situation where we're, you know, we're struggling to love that person, I challenge us to go into a place of prayer with God. Ask him to show you what he says about that person. Not the judgments that you've made, not the judgments other people have made, but what does he truly say? Because when, when he's saying love rejoices in the truth, in what is true about one another, love rejoices in the truth, It's asking the Father for that revelation. And then it's celebrating that truth over that person, declaring that truth of what God says over them, rejoicing in what is true. Love covers and protects one another. How often do we see people falling into gossip with one another? And gossip can be disguised as, have you noticed this problem going on? Oh, yeah, I've noticed that too. Oh, well, what do you think? Oh, yeah. And then we start to bring in other people into the moment. And before you know it, we have a whole gossip train. But love covers one another. Love says, I'm going to cover and protect my church. I don't care what they say about Catch the Fire. I'm going to cover Catch the Fire because it's my church. I don't care what they say about that pastor. I'm going to cover them because they're my pastor. I don't care what, God, what other people say about this person. I'm going to cover them because they're my family. They're my brother. They're my sister. And I'm not going to enter into the gossip. And when the temptation comes, I'm going to shut it down. And I'm going to say, hey, I love you, but respectfully, I don't want to engage in this. Because we're called to cover one another. And this is challenging. I used to be someone where this was probably one of my biggest sins that I struggled with was gossip. And I've had to intentionally over the years choose not to enter in. And choose to shut it down. And choose to keep it to myself and take it to the Lord. It's a choice to love. Love has hope and great expectations for one another. That's saying, I believe that God has the best for you. I believe that God has a hope for you, a future for you. I have great expectation for your life and for your breakthrough and what God is going to bring. Love continues to support one another. Love never fails, and love never ends. So what is love not? 
Love is not jealous of one another. It's not boastful or arrogant, prideful, puffed up. You know, being puffed up, it's, it's where we make ourselves look bigger so that the other person feels smaller than us. And that's not love. It's not love to diminish someone in your, in your sight and make them feel small. Love is not rude. It's not dishonorable towards one another. It's not selfish. It does not control other people so that you can get your own way. That's not love. That's manipulation. And as my kids say, they say, you're manipulating me and that's witchcraft. So (laughs) this is the thing. You teach your kids things and then they turn it back on you. I'm over there trying to bribe them just to go get a haircut. And they're like, you're manipulating me. It's witchcraft. Okay. I'm sorry. You're right. (laughs) It's so true. Aaron's like nodding because not that we use manipulation often, but you know what I mean? Bribery sometimes. (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. Raising kids in the kingdom. All right. It's not irritating and abrasive. It does not provoke one another to anger. It's not resentful or angry. It does not keep record of wrongs. How many marriages do we see this destroy? Where there's a list and a a file stored in the filing cabinet of all the things you've done wrong, and I'm going to bring it up and weaponize it to you when we're in an argument. And God's like, I'm not asking you to forget, but I'm asking you to forgive. Love walks in forgiveness. Love forgives. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. It doesn't go over the same old things over and over again. Love lets it go. Walks in forgiveness. And lastly, love is not celebratory when another does wrong. How often do we just get a slight little, yes, when we see that person fail? Never me. Never. I'm just joking. But I'm saying it, that creeps in every now and then where we, where we are celebrating just a little. Oh, makes me a little bit excited that they didn't get that promotion. All of these things that we see here are connected to our behavior and our action, right? These are the, the verb, the action of how we show love to one another and how we don't show love to one another. See, the sacrificial love we're talking about requires action. It is a choice. Love is a choice. You probably heard that at a wedding as well, but love truly is a choice. It takes It requires us to take action to show love in these ways. It's not easy, but it's intentional. See, this biblical love is, it's an intentional commitment to choosing to show this deep love and affection to one another. It's not me feeling like I want to show you love. No, it's me choosing to show you love. It's me choosing to obey the commandment of my heavenly father to walk in obedience, to show love through my obedience. We have to be committed to choosing to love one another in this body because we're not always going to feel like it. Agapeo is this love of choice. It's the action of our choice. And we are commanded as God's disciples to love. When you choose to accept Jesus 
as your Lord and Savior, you become a disciple of him. And he calls us to a higher way. He doesn't hold the world to the same standard that he's held you and I to. And we ask ourselves, well, Lord, how can you command me to do that? How can you legislate love to me? How can you force me to love? And he says, because I am love. Because I defined love. Because at the very essence of who I am is love. I created love. And I can command you to do this because when you chose me, I now dwell inside of you. And so when I command you to do it, you're not doing it on your own strength. You're not doing it in your own way. You're doing it from the love that flows within you, the Holy Spirit. If God is the lover, Jesus is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is the love that flows between them. God has given us the Holy Spirit, right? And that love flows in us and out of us. And when God says, I'm commanding you that you shall love, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. I'm commanding you to love with the love that dwells inside of you. The the grace that I've given you, the love that compels you, the love that provokes you to love. That's the love I'm talking about that I'm commanding you to, to walk in, to show, to commit to being intentional with one another. I remember once that, you know, forcing myself to love something in my own strength doesn't work. It really doesn't. And I remember I had, I had dated this guy and at the end of our relationship, I was like forcing myself to love this person, but I knew I was not, I was not in love with this person, but I was forcing myself and it didn't work, right? Because forcing yourself in your own strength does not work for anything. Anyways, we broke up, I married Aaron, all's good with the world. But <laughs> when we have Jesus and he's asking something of us where it feels like, God, I'm being forced to love. It's not a force. It's not a, it's not a chore. It's obedience to our Heavenly Father. And it's allowing his love to overcome us, to overflow out of us, and from that place, love one another. So we can love people through the love of Jesus, not in our own strength. And I want to challenge us to give this a shot, for us to try to love people the way he loves us. So we're going to quickly go through these last few points I have about what actions does sacrificial love require of us? See, it is a choice, but I kind of believe that after today's message, we don't really have, in a way, an excuse on whether or not we love each other. Because we've heard the word now, and we have a choice to either accept it or to reject it and ignore it. And this is what love and choosing obedience to God's word looks like. It requires us to sacrifice and lay down our lives for one another. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. See, there's always a cost when you choose love. 
And there was a cost for Jesus when he chose the cross. And sacrificial love is not expecting anything in return. One of the definitions of agape was not expecting anything in return. Because if you expect something in return, that's not love. That's just a transaction. Loving is when no one's watching. Loving is not expecting anyone to love you back. Because God hasn't commanded you to love people that will love you in return. He's commanded you to love. And you are responsible for your choice and your action. Number two. Sacrificial love requires steadfastness in our love for one another. Another definition of steadfast is, is constant. And I know that because that's our son's middle name. Constant means steadfast. Jesus was wronged over and over again. And yet he still chose steadfastness in his love. He still chose to wash Judas's feet knowing that he was going to betray him. And when the disciples come and they're asking, well, how many times should we forgive, Lord? And they're like, seven times? And Jesus is like, no, 70 times, seven times, 70 times. Meaning an infinite number. There is no end to sacrificial love. Again, going back with the parenting, my kids over and over again, I have to forgive them for things. But my heart and my, my heart is never changed towards them. I'm always still enduring in that steadfast love for them. Sacrificial love requires us to serve one another. And I'm going to do a shameless plug here for what we call the team. See, if you enjoy watching the screens, the lights, the kids' ministry, the chairs being set up, the youth men, the outreach that we, the people we get to minister to, the homeless camp we get to go to, All of the things, these are people that give of themselves every week. Maybe they give, or our connect group leaders, maybe they give once a month. Maybe they serve once every eight weeks, whatever it is. We are called as a body to serve one another, to use our gifts. It might be, you might feel, well, I have nothing to give. It might be big, it might be small, but there's always room for you in the body to serve, to function, to give of yourself. And you know, we are a charismatic church. If you didn't realize that when you walked in and there was someone on the floor in the, in the lobby. But the, sometimes the, the thing that I've noticed in our charismatic churches is the attitude sometimes is I come to church to receive rather than to give. I come for what I can get. I love the worship. I love the Holy Spirit goosebumps that I get. But I'm not willing to serve my church. I'm not willing to serve in my body. And so this is... This is my little pastor moment for all of us. But if you're part of this body, there's a place for you to serve. There's a place for you to use your gifts. Ephesians 4 is, it's talking about serving together so we can build up the whole body, right? For the maturity of all of us. We can do the work of the ministry and come into maturity. So if you haven't signed up to be part of a team or to join a connect group, I encourage you, please do so. Serve one another. Really quickly, last two. It requires us to understand that our obligation is to choose one another. Going back again, if you are believers now, we have an obligation to Jesus to serve his body, to serve his people, to love his people through the Holy Spirit. See, you know the Holy, when the Holy Spirit is moving in you when your natural response is love for one another. And lastly, 
Sacrificial love requires us to show honor to one another. We're going to go deeper with this next week on humility towards one another, but we always treat things differently that we value. Who, who here has ever gotten a new car and you're like OCD about it? You're like, I cannot get it scratched. I'm going to park far away. Like we're like driving like so slow. Poor Aaron. We got a really nice van last year. He calls it the toaster on wheels because of all the crumbs from all the children. And he's always trying to clean it. And I'm like, babe, it's a lost cause. I have four kids who are hungry. Okay. Like we, I treat it well, but there's going to be goldfish on the floor. It's just, it is what it is. But the way you treat something is different when it's valuable to you. And the way you treat the person to your left or to your right is a direct indication of the way you value them. And the thing is, is the person on your left and your right is priceless because Jesus paid the highest price for them. They are incredibly valuable to him, just as you are incredibly valuable to him. And so the way we treat one another shows us whether we value one another. We show honor. I want to invite you all to stand. We're going to end as we started this morning. I want you to grab the hand or the shoulder of the person beside you. We're going to pray this. Let's close our eyes for a moment. God, thank you so much for my brother, for my sister. Say that. Thank you for my brother and my sister. Lord, today, I want to show them love today. Would you, Holy Spirit, would you work on our hearts this week? Would you soften our hearts towards one another, to your body, to the people that you bring into our lives, Lord? I pray that you would move my heart to love them the way that you love them, Jesus. Today, you've, you've spoken your commandment to me, and I receive it, and I believe it. And I'm going to put action behind it, Lord. Would you help me walk it out? Not by my strength, but by your spirit. That I would love my neighbor as you have loved me, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us what love looks like. Would we always remember the cross, Jesus, and be reminded of the love that you've shown for us that enables us, empowers us to love the person on my left and my right. And I want to invite up our ministry team to come in up here. And I feel like, you know, there might be some people in this room. Ministry team, please come up quickly. There might be some people in this room where you have actually been hurt by the body of Christ. You've been hurt by people that you thought were your brothers and your sisters or maybe a pastor or a leader. And I feel like God wants to bring redemption there. God wants to restore all things and he wants to move your heart in a place of forgiveness towards them. And so we're going to open up the front for anyone, if, even if you just want a, a fresh impartation of love this morning or you feel like you want to have someone help you walk through, praying through the pain and the hurt that you've been felt by even the body of Christ. Or if maybe you need healing in your body, our, our team is up here to pray with you. But thank you all. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. 
Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.